This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and I'm the career director for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. We are live in studio if it's Thursday noon Eastern at 844-942-7866. And Dion and Dana are here. They make this show so much fun and sound great over the airwaves. So we're so excited to be here with you. And if you've got a job search or career question, maybe you've been struggling to get a response to your applications, or you know 2021 is the year for you to make a switch, but you're just not sure what you want to do or how to get there, then give us a call right now if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at 844-942-7866. What is going on in the news? Well, According to a study by Zeddy.com, many people fear retirement more than death itself, let alone snakes, spiders, or public speaking. Younger people are more frightened of retirement than their elders, and the most frightening aspects of retirement are a lack of income, losing medical insurance, and the inability to stay mentally active. So, very, very curious. People sound like Dion. They would they would rather just just kick it than retire. <laughs> what are you thinking? I mean, I kind of get it though. Oh, really? I'm just saying, because once you get to the once that money runs out, <laughs> <laughs> what what is there? It's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we would love to hear your opinion, because Dion, I hope you never retire. Then I me I, too. Yeah, I really do. I really do. <laughs> what I'll do, be here forever. Okay, good. That makes me feel better. Uh, what What are your thoughts? Retirement or death? Which one is more scary? Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. According to Zeddy dot com, it is retirement, according to their survey. But ah, uh, we have a great show for you today. Very excited, as always, to be here live at 844-942-7866. So you hear me talk about this pretty much every week. The job search is hard. But for some, it can feel even more challenging. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, between 2008 and 2016, people with disabilities were employed at an average of only 18%, while people without disabilities were employed at an average of 65%. Today's guest brings 20 years of vocational counseling, and we're excited to have her here to discuss this important topic. Nancy Grant is a career strategist and has been working as a vendor of the New York State Department of Education since 2003. She is also a testing specialist at Finger Lakes Community College, working with students to access academic accommodations while enrolled in school. Having formerly served on many boards, Nancy is currently the conference chair of the National Resume Writers Association and was recently appointed for a three-year term to the New York State Rehabilitation Council. Wow, Nancy, when do you sleep? (laughs) That is a lot of things you've got going on there. 
All right. Well, Nancy, we lost Nancy for just a quick second. But if you're just tuning in, we are live if it's Thursday noon Eastern, 844-942-7866. And we're so excited to be here with Nancy Grant, who is going to talk to us today about getting hired and doing a job search if you are applying and you are considering whether or not to disclose your disability. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you. Hopefully you can hear me all right. Yep, we got you. We can hear you great. And I kind of have to start out with a, you know, I was like looking at your background and I know we've known each other for a while. Um, So you have a master's degree in criminal justice. So how did you land in your current role? (laughs) I I love switchers, right? So I'm always curious how people make that pivot. Well, the job of Clarice Starling was not available when I graduated, so... <laughs> Her job <laughs> seems a little of... scary, but so is the job search, so... <laughs> I know. Well, you know, ironically, I wanted to, you know, my whole career was defined by the fact that I thought I knew what I wanted to do when I graduated, and it wasn't available when I graduated. So, um, you know, I didn't know, I thought I knew what I wanted, and then I didn't know how to get it. So. I didn't understand what civil service exams were, and I had to take a test, and then I realized, oh, you mean I can't just go and get that job. So I had to go out and find a different job, and through the process, I learned what it was to find a job. And then I, I realized, in in theory, I loved the process of finding a job, and so I, I got to learn, and my first job was in voc rehab, and it just happened to be so I ended up learning all about it, and I thought, this is exactly what I want to do. And I sort of combined my investigatory skills and learning all about people and psychology, and just um, it sort of blossomed from there. And I think the theory of sometimes you find a job and sometimes a job finds you is really the example of how my career sort of flourished. Yeah, and I love that because I think that's what happens to a lot of people. They they kind of set out to do this research, but then they, they go and try something or they get a new project at work or, you know, a friend has a conversation, asks them for help, and all of a sudden they realize there's something out there they didn't know about. So I always say clarity through action. Go down the path you think that's for you, but you might find something that is even more interesting on the way, but you got to get out there. You got to get out and you got to try things on. It's kind of like the difference between buying clothes from a catalog and, and, and actually going in the store and trying it out. I don't know about you, but I will tell you, I am 99.9% more effective when I go to the store and actually try it on. Oh, hey, 844-942-7866. <laughs> You're listening to Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Nancy Grant, who is a career strategist and a vendor of the New York State Department of Education. We are talking about, um, you mentioned uh, that, you know, investigative skills. I love that you talk about that because I think that's critical for the job search. But, you know, we're seeing these statistics, Nancy, that, you know, obviously the pandemic had an impact on a lot of people's jobs. But, uh, you know, census figures indicate that more than one in five Americans have a disability, including limitations in seeing, hearing, speaking, walking, learning, or undertaking major functions of daily life. And pre-pandemic, just 37% of working age people had a job, um, working age people with disabilities had a job compared to 77% of people without. And things have only gotten worse post-pandemic. So let's Let's kind of tackle this topic, but let's really start from the foundation um, and deter- define the term disability. What what does this encompass? 
So when we're talking about employment and disability, we're talking about something that limits your abilities at work. So how it impairs your functions and your ability to perform the essential functions at work. So if you are, for instance, have a physical limitation that you can't lift certain amount of weight and you go to a job that requires you to lift more than 10 pounds on the job, then that's an essential function. So then you are disabled from that particular type of job. So when we talk about a disability, it would have to impair your ability to perform that job. So does it does it then tie to the job? So for example, if you have a job and that's not, whatever that skill is, is not applicable to the job, then, you know, I, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about this more in depth, but every every application out there now has a list of right. of disabilities and it asks you, do you do you have one? And you obviously have the option to disclose, not disclose or, um, right. you know, what have you. But but is that when they ask that question, is it only something that you perceive is related to the job you're applying to? So job descriptions can be, sometimes you'll notice a job description will give you, sometimes they'll break it down by percentages. They'll say 50% of this job is involves this, and then it breaks it down even down to 5%. It'll sometimes even list, you know, lifting of less than five pounds for, you know, under a period of time, uh, the frequency of it. And that would really break it down to almost like a task analysis. And those are nice. You can tell that those are larger companies who have had the ability to do that. Um, But most job descriptions aren't gonna give you that detailed list of a uh, job description. So you're, you're gonna mostly, the question that they're gonna ask you on a job application is, can you perform the essential functions of this job with or without accommodations? So if you think that you can perform this job with basically, you know, the general essential functions of, let's say, an office management type of job, um, and you think you can do that job with or without accommodations, then yes, you can perform that job, and then you can discuss if you need accommodations later. You know, if, if you're if you know your limitations, if you know whether you have physical or there's some executive functioning or there's some cognitive limitations there, then and you know right off the bat that you cannot perform those essential functions of that job, then you've got to ask yourself, should I be applying for this job? And that's where I kind of work with people to kind of determine, is this an appropriate position to even apply to? So I think a lot of people are thinking, um, you know, there's already so much bias in the job search. I mean, add add your ism here. And, you know, people have worked really hard with with resume coaches like yourself to to in some ways disguise a lot of those things because they don't want it to be held against them, whether it's age or, you know, like I said, list list a bunch of things here. And so um, which is really unfortunate because obviously there's laws that that claim that all of these things are legal, but it's really difficult for a job applicant to prove that somebody made a decision based on one factor that might be covered under the law. So, you know, when you're when you're thinking about this, if it's a job where where you would require accommodations, but if you had those accommodations, you could do it. Do you recommend that people disclose in their application? So that's always like a maybe. (laughs) So when I work, what I do is as a contractor with the Department of Education. So I work with an organization called Access VR, 
which is the um, it's an office through uh, the as my papers are everywhere <laughs> um, through the Department of Education that works in order to qualify you have to have a, a disability and those disabilities range from you know a physical disability to cognitive maybe there's um, a hearing uh, impairment or uh, deaf things like that so depending on what the disability is, maybe what type of accommodation you might need, is when you might disclose. So if, if it's a type of a disability that's visible, you're walking in, you need uh, accessibility to the building and you're not quite sure if you're using a cane or you're using a wheelchair, things like that, um, where you might need an interpreter if you are hearing impaired or deaf. So you need those accommodations up front, then you most likely your best bet is just to come up front and ask for those types of accommodations right away and then be open with the employer and, and get that conversation. I always say overcome the objective right away. And then it really isn't about having to have that discussion with the employer later. You just get through that and then we can really talk about your abilities with and your skills and qualifications and move forward. If it's something that you feel you're not really sure about whether or not you are going to need any accommodations. Maybe there's a visual impairment where you might need a magnified screen, but you're not really sure what the setup is at the office yet. Or um, there's ADD or ADHD. You're not really sure whether you're going to be in an office by yourself or you're going to be in a cube with third, you know, 30 other people. Or there might be a work-from-home setting. You're not really sure what the accommodation would be. So then that's where you might want to wait and disclose later. 844-942-7866. You're listening to SiriusXM Business Radio. This is Dr. Dawn on Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham. And we are here live every Thursday. So if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we're here taking all of your job search and career questions at 844-942-7866. If you ever wanted access to your own personal career coach, well, here you go. We are here every Thursday for you to give us a call, 844-942-7866. We're very excited to have Nancy Grant here, who is a career strategist, and we are tackling the topic of when you're applying for a job or if you're in a career and you have a disability, how do you handle the the application? How do you disclose? When do you disclose? And um, all of those related factors to that where you can get more information. We're going to talk about some resources and websites later. But um, right now, we're, we're kind of tackling the application process, Nancy, and, and I think one of the things that's important for people to know is just because you don't disclose in the application doesn't mean you can't disclose later, um, whether that means you, you've learned through doing the job that you need an accommodation or perhaps you just chose not to disclose in the application, but when you're accepting the job, you decide that you want to disclose. So what are the pros and cons of, of making those decisions, particularly when um, it's not... You know, we've talked about some some maybe more obvious things about, uh, you know, maybe some physical disabilities, but there's there's other things that may not be as as obvious. I think invisible invisible um, disabilities is something that that I think is is important for us to tackle. Definitely. I mean, I work a lot with individuals who might have maybe some learning disabilities. They need to write things down. They need instructions where um, things are listed for them um, 
you know, they might need, they learn it a little bit slower of a pace, but once they get things going, I'm lately, I've been working a lot with uh, neurodiverse individuals. So their uh, interpersonal skills aren't as robust. And so they need a little bit more coaching. um, So they might not make it through the interview process as well. But, you know, on paper, they look great. And so um, some of the stuff where they disclose later, one of the things that I really want to make clear is that when you do disclose, you First of all, an employer, even if you do disclose on an application, yes, I have a disability, the employer cannot come back and ask you, hey, I noticed that you disclosed that you have a disability on the application. What's wrong with you? Or, you know, what is your disability? They can't come back and ask you that. What they can ask you is, I see that you've disclosed that you have a disability. What types of accommodations may you be looking for? Um, with regards to this position. So it has to be related to the position that you are applying to and what types of accommodations that you may be seeking that would help you be successful in the job. So they can't ask you anything about that. They may be able to ask you for documentation regarding diagnosis, but they also cannot share that with any of your coworkers or anybody else at the company. It would be specifically with, um, you know, just human resources. However, depending on when you get hired and who you're working with and how that may impact the coworkers that you have and your supervisors, you may want to decide who you want to share what that is, what accommodations you may be receiving. And depending on the accommodations that you're receiving, some of your coworkers and supervisors may think, okay, why are they getting special treatment? Or, you know, what is this? Why do they have a special uh, monitor at their desk? Or, you know, hey, they got this cool chair that's more ergonomically appropriate for their desk. I want that. Or a standing desk. Um, even though those are more common now, it used to be that was something people would get as an accommodation for maybe some a bad back or um, maybe a little bit more carpal tunnel, things like that. So, those are things that were um, out there. Yeah, what but is that's I, something that you want to share? I think you know, and it just depends. It's important though because I, I feel like it's it kind of I, I we we actually had this question on the show once that um you know somebody had an invisible disability and they disclosed it to their boss but they didn't feel like they wanted to share that with the rest of the office but. Unfortunately, the, due to this, there were obviously different um, actions and this employee had different uh, schedules and things like that and, and everybody noticed. And so how do you handle that? Because I, I don't think you should have to tell people um, that, you know, this is specifically what's going on and why I, I get to work from home sometimes or why I get to come in late sometimes. But it is difficult for a supervisor who's been asked not to share that information, yet it, they're having employees come to them saying, hey, I'm noticing that Nancy's getting special treatment. What's going on here? Right. Well, I mean, it is a matter of sort of a very savvy conversation to say, you know, how do you, um, you know, because of what I do through Access, the office that I work with and the clients that I'm working with, I'm able to kind of provide some of that counseling. So I might coach somebody into, okay, it's in maybe your best interest to share a little bit with your coworkers. You don't want to build a wall. You're trying to build relationships. You know, I look at work as like when you were talking about retirement and I was, I'm saying I'll probably never retire because it's really my livelihood. You know, I mean, I do this for a living and I help people find enjoyment through work. So, I mean, you do too. So it's kind of like I try to help people. Yeah. I say, you're going to find some of your best friends at work 
people find their life mates at work. So I look at work as a place where, um, you know, you want to find joy and and feel comfortable. And so if it's something that you want to uh, share with your coworkers, um, work out these issues with, if you know, I would talk with people about how do you want to address this? What do you want to share? Maybe you don't have to give them the nitty gritty, but you can say, look, you know, I am dealing with something that, you know, it is a bit personal. Um, I have shared some of the details with HR, but there are some accommodations that I need. You know, trust me, it's something you don't want to be dealing with, but it is not, you know, I'm not going home and having a party every day or, you know, but but something that shares a little bit about um, yourself so that it isn't that you're just kind of shutting them off to the to what's going on and in, into your personal life. Um, and if you don't want to share that, that's fine. But you do have to be aware that you are kind of building that wall. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think there's ways to say it without saying it. And and you're going to get a lot more goodwill if you if you just say, hey, I'm dealing with something that that requires this to, to help me be successful. And I'm going to leave it at that. And I think most people would respect that. Most people in the workplace will respect that. And it will also mm-hmm. create a situation where you've diffused a potential buildup of of you know, everybody wants it to be fair, yet there's nothing fair in the world. So um, <laughs> never, 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 never. Uh, but I but I do think that's a good middle ground. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. And we are here with Nancy Grant. And we are tackling the topic of job search if you have a disability and how should you disclose? Should you disclose what types of accommodations are appropriate to ask for and all of that? So if you've got a question related to that, or maybe you're um, a hiring manager or a recruiter and wondering what types of things you need to consider, 844-942-7866. I'm curious about that, Nancy. Like, What are some of the misperceptions of either hiring managers or um, people who are making these hiring decisions about bringing somebody onto the team who has disclosed a, a disability? So uh, one of the things that I think they have is that this person's going to be a liability, that they've already that they're already disabled or they've already been injured. So I worked a lot, and I do still work a lot with people who have workers' comp injuries or no fault in New York State. That's where I am, um, who have been like in a car accident and had neck injuries or back injuries or things like that. So um, they may have muscular skeletal injuries. Uh, they can't lift and or they've worked and they've um, they may have worked on like a, a manufacturing line and they can no longer do that and so they've been retrained and and they don't necessarily have a high education but but they don't um, have a lot of skills to offer and they've been retrained in like a clerical job and I think that they feel like you know this person doesn't have a long work history in using a computer so um you know they look at them in a way that is like oh what have you been doing with your with your time off you know which puts us in an interesting situation with covid because there's been everybody sort of equalized with this time off um and so going through this time period where there have been people who have been out on disability due to injuries at work and and things like that i always say you know, all of a sudden we have this time off where you've got this gap. Everybody's going to have a gap, and it's not going to be what did you, um, not not why were you off from work for the last year, but what did you do with your last year? 
And so that was something that I was, you know, talking with some recruiters about on how, how, what do you want to hear on that? You know, how, how do you, how do people make best, the best use of their time during that period? And, and what are you looking for? And those types of things. So um, I know I got a little off topic there, but yeah, <laughs> no, know, that's I, one of the things is how they're, how they're looking at, at an individual with a disability is, is uh, will they become disabled again and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's an important like diversion, though, or um, into a topic that I, I think needs to change. And I'm hoping you're right that the pandemic has caused some positive gains in this area is if somebody has a gap on their resume, whether they chose to to do it voluntarily to take care of family or they want to travel around the world or they had an illness or wanted to um, you know, take time off to take care of somebody in their family who had an illness, whatever the reason is. I, I just wonder, is that really anybody's business? Why is it so critical that humans, you know, start to work at a certain age and then work all year round every year right. without taking any major breaks in their time? Like, why, so, why does that make you qualified or not? I, well, exactly. And so one of the things that I coach people on, um, because I part of what I do that's unique in, in addition to the resume writing is that I work with people, I always say, in the trenches. I work with them until they find a job. So whether it takes a few weeks, months, or a year, I'm with them throughout the whole process and the ups and downs. And and I coach them through those questions. And I say, you know, nobody knows why you had a gap. So whether you were taking care of your parents, whether you were taking care of your kids. I mean, I've had girlfriends that have taken years off to stay home with their kids, you know. Lucky you that you were able to stay home and take care of your kids. Nobody knows that you didn't win the lottery and were able to stay home. So you, it's how you reflect on that year or two or whatever that gap was. You know, you, it's how you tell them and you handle that response that they receive that information. So part of that, part of our job as a coach and and talking about it is is turning that information around to the uh, recruiter. If you're there telling them, you know, I was at home recovering from an injury or I've been disabled and I was really depressed, well, then, of course, they're going to get that vibe from you. But if you're there saying, you know, I was, um, you know, I had an opportunity to, to brush up on some skills or, you know, really just help out a family member or however you want to coach it. And I always say to people, like, we're going to sit down and we're going to craft your statement and we're just going to go over it and practice it so that you can really own it and be authentic about it. Then that's really counseling in a lot of ways, but almost like your own, uh, you're going to, you do believe it because it is becoming part of you. I agree. I think I think having what I call a career story of of why you made the decisions you made in your career, why you you made the choices you made, whether that's to leave or stay or whatever, and and having a story that feels genuine and is comfortable for you is so so critical. And so I'm so thrilled to hear that you work with people to find that that space of genuineness, but not too much information and um, relay that information. But I, I have to say, I, I'm I'm going to put this out to the listeners. You know, do you think that's a valid question? If you had a gap on your resume, whether, you know, it was it was something you chose to do or something that, you know, was forced upon you, 
Do you think that that is something that HR or your hiring person should should ask about? And, and does it matter? And if you are a recruiter, tell us why you you are so concerned about that and what you would want to hear and what might raise red flags. 844-942-7866. I'm Dr. Don Graham, host of Dr. Don on Career Series 6 M 132. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we're live in studio 844-942-7866. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham to find out what's coming up on the show. But right now, it is time for our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? We just jumped from topic to topic to topic. We've had movies. We've had oh chess. We've had... <laughs> we're going off the deep end, La- aren't we? No, no, we're not. I just, it's, I just thought it was really fun how we just, you know, go from topic to topic, Dion. We cover it all. It's like Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see. Will Dion win a piece of the pie today? All right. Pie and trivial pursuit? Yeah, you win little pieces of the pie. I've There's never, like you you never <laughs> Oh my god, Dion. You have to like come over to my house for a week. I'm gonna make you watch Star Wars and play trivial pursuit. <laughs> like catch up on like Bring alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Trust me. Um, okay. Here's the question. What this is easy. There's 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 a finite number of answers. What planet has the most gravity? So you you can't you you only have a set number of answers. You what, don't know what that number is, do you? No, I do know <laughs> what that number is. But I was curious if you know what that number was. I know what it used to be. I know. Okay, I wasn't gonna give you. I wasn't gonna say eight <laughs> or nine because I thought, well, maybe maybe that will. Yeah, I know what it uh, used to be. I know. So. All right. Well, <laughs> I know. Yeah, some planets get demoted. It happens. All right. What planet has the most gravity? If you think you know, give us a call 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Don on Careers, Sirius XM 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Don on Careers. On Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. We are live if it's Thursday noon Eastern, 844-942-7866. And we are very excited to be here with Nancy Grant, a career strategist who's been working as a vendor for the New York State Department of Education. So since 2003, she is currently conference chair of the National Resume Writers Association and recently appointed for a three-year term to New York State Rehabilitation Council. Nancy, where can people reach you if they want to learn more about you? Well, I do have a website, which is regionalcareer.com. Um, it's more of a, I think they call it like a brochure site uh, because I basically am a referral through the AccessBR office, which is the Adult Career and Continuing Education Services. So generally people are referred to me and paid for through AccessBR. All you'd have to do is qualify by having a disability. And one of the things I want to say about that is that I think the initial connotation that people have when people ask me what I do, oh, I work with people with disabilities, is that I they instantly have this image in their head that I work with people who have 
outward visible severe disabilities that might have um, need supported employment or, you know, just uh, significant support in the workplace. But that's not necessarily the case. I tend to work with people who have made significant accomplishments in their career, who have advanced degrees. I mean, people make significant incomes (laughs) that I work with. Um, They have master's degrees. I've worked with PhDs. I've even worked with a psychiatrist before. Um, You know, people that have had, you know, some mental health issues, chemical dependency, things that any kind, any kind, depression, you know, recovery, physical issues, bad back, like I said, things like that, Um, learning disabilities. I also work with students who are helping students who have had learning disabilities coming up through high school, and then they are transitioning into higher education. So um, all those services, every state has their own version of an office of voc rehab. I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah, so let's talk about that because I do want to mention some resources where people can go to whether you are um, looking for yourself, looking for somebody in your family, or even in, in human resources and hiring managers looking for information. Where, what are some of the best sites that you know where people can, can build their knowledge in this area? Definitely. So if you are an employer and you are looking, you you have an, uh, an employee that you think might have a disability and you want to help, and but you're not sure, and because of your, you don't want to approach them, there's a website, the Job Accommodation Network, so JAN. Um, it's called AskJAN, A-S-K-J-A-N.org. That is the access to the Job Accommodation Network. What I love about that one is that you can actually search by disability or you, um, if you think you know, or if you just want to say, you know, accommodations for someone who uh, is, doesn't communicate well on the job, things like that. So you can, it'll give you very practical, hands-on strategies for how you could um, improve ways or uh, just, and it will give you a ton of resources of places, and that's on a federal level. So it could break it down to what state are you in, and then it'll reach to help you go down to, you know, where you are locally. There's also um, nationally a, a center for independent living or center for disability rights. There's always in every city. Um, a place like that. Uh, So you can always just Google Center for Independent Living or Center for Disability Rights, a plethora of resources that will provide you with links if you're looking for specific access to those resources. Um, And also the Office of Voc Rehab. So in, in New York State, it's Access VR. But vocational rehab is really um, the service that is traditionally provided for adults, so anybody over 18, but um, the federal government is really pushing what they're calling pre-apps, so pre-vocational services, which is starting as early as the age of 14. So they're really, the theory is that, you know, we need to start planning vocational um, and planning employment services for students at a younger age. We can't just all of a sudden realize that once students graduate high school, not every kid is going into college. We need to start planning for uh, future careers. What what are kids going to do once they graduate high school that are not going into college? Or what do we? How do we help kids make the best decisions 
Um, and generally, kids who have an IEP or an individual educational plan might get more help in figuring that out. But, you know, anyone who's got a kid going into college now, especially in the last year, has realized there there isn't a whole lot of hand-holding going on in, in high school right now, um, trying to figure out what, a, what is my kid going to do. And it's a huge investment to go to college. So um, the the bet, more planning you have going into it, the better off you'll be with the outcome. And I always say, you know, one of the reasons I work at a community college part-time is because I was getting these students coming out of college and I was saying, well, what do you want to do? And they had no idea. <laughs> and I'm like, right. well, didn't you just go to college for four years? <laughs> Uh, but they went to college because of an interest. They didn't go to college because of an occupation. Yes. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll, I can make a difference. <laughs> you know, it's so but. true. It's so true. I'm not going to go off on my soapbox again, but I did a few yeah. weeks ago how, about how career exploration and coaching should be a four-credit part of college because yeah. it's it's the essential outcome that people are looking for. Um, 844-942-7866. We're here on SiriusXM 132. Um, one of the best websites that I found for the, the career and job search for students when I was researching this show is, um, it's called Best bestcolleges.com backslash resources backslash career guide for students with disabilities. And I was I was shocked at how thorough it was and it went into different areas. So I'm going to throw that out to add that to your list because there is so much information out there and it's sometimes hard to weed through and, and find exactly what you need. But um, that's, that's why these things are out there so that you can at least get a jump start. But let's answer our pre-break quiz. So Dion, you've had a lot of time to think about the answer. Yeah. Sure. To this question, <laughs> what planet has the most gravity? Okay. Yep. All right. So, I think the planets get gravity from the sun. So I'm going to say Mercury. Because the, it's because it's the closest it's to the, the closest sun. to the sun. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't really know how, how planets get gravity. <laughs> we would need somebody to call in who uh, who has a, a degree in, what, astrophysics, maybe? Uh, okay. I don't know. Rocket <laughs> science. But um, no, it is is not Mercury. But I like your theory because that may or may not be true. Um, <laughs> Dana. Well, clearly it's not. I know, Dana. We, we, we're hoping not only that you have have the right answer but we are hoping that because you um you know have have uh connections with schools because of having a kid in school that you would know the the saying that used to be accompanied to remember the the nine planets when there used to be nine planets Oh, now I need to remember the saying. Well, we couldn't. Dion and I couldn't. We tried over the break, and we. Well, I can't. I can't remember the saying, but I think I do know the answer to this question. Okay, that's fair. One I, out of two. Because I do have two boys, three and five, that are obsessed with space, everything space. And oh, good. Oh, she cheated. To all the time. No, she so did it. Jupiter. She's right. She's oh. right. Dion wasn't yeah, ready with the ding. I wasn't he, ready. He didn't, I, he didn't I, I have just, faith in you. I didn't think you. she was going to get it right. He didn't have faith in you. Well, <laughs> yeah, the laid bell. Yeah, I, I did look on the internet to find that saying because we know that Pluto has been demoted. And I found, this is what I, well, I found a lot of things, some of them not suitable <laughs> for air. But my, really? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> My cool we're a PG thirteen show. My very eager mother just served us nine pizzas. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and but that's been changed to my very 
eager mother just served us noodles. <laughs> because she can't just serve nine. She can't. Just served us nine. No, they had to, the whole food had to change because there's no more pizza. Now it's just noodles. Personally, I like pizza better, but so yeah, there it is. I, I'd go with pizza too. There it is. Well done, Dana. Well done. So, 844-942-7866, you're listening to SiriusXM 132. This is Business Radio. We are live every Thursday at noon Eastern, taking all of your career and job search questions. And, of course, if you've missed a show, you can find it on iTunes or Google Play. Just subscribe to Dr. Dawn on Careers, and you can get over 250 episodes of the pre-break quiz, um, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> I told Dion we should do a whole show on the pre-break quiz, Dana, but he said he said just we, get to the middle. Yeah, he said he said we'd get fired, so so I'm not gonna do that. But I still think it might be fun. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We are here with Nancy Grant, a career strategist, and we are talking about the challenges of getting a job if you have a disability and how to navigate those challenges using a variety of resources, when you should disclose, if you should disclose. And um, we've just given a bunch of resources. So if you missed it, be sure to go back and listen to the replay. But Nancy, so you you help people with obviously a lot of different things, but resumes and, and things like that are a core. Um, a question I've also gotten on this topic is, is should the one... I do believe you should have a cover letter, but two, is this a place where you might choose to disclose? Um, I certainly don't encourage disclosing a disability in a cover letter. The only time that I might disclose anything in a cover letter might be when I'm working with somebody who's gone back to school, maybe to get a KSAC, which would be like a certified alcohol substance abuse counseling certification credential, and they're applying for, and they're in recovery. So they may say, you know, prior to recovery or something like that. So if it is in relation to the job directly, so that may be something. Um, but other than that, it would I would never have somebody disclose in. Um, or may well, I can I shouldn't say never. I never say never. But <laughs> I think it was an, uh, an occasion where somebody had um, gone through a, a very traumatic accident and they literally were like a miracle in the fact that they were walking again or um, they had had a, a brain tumor of some kind and they were, you know, the fact that they were living and that they had gone back to college and got a master's degree in computer science kind of thing. And that actually was a, a, another example of a storytelling in the cover letter that was somebody and they got a, a tremendous reaction to the, the cover letter to their story in the cover letter um, to their application so that was that's the only time but normally if it was like just a straight up you know my restrictions are this or, or something I would never have anybody disclose like that yeah I always and I test market stuff you know so if things aren't if you're not getting the response you want from either your resume or your cover letter, I always say to people, if you're not getting that response from the cover letter, if you're not getting interviews, that's my responsibility and my fault. If you're not getting jobs from interviews, then let's work on your interviewing. But, you know, we don't have to tinker with the resume or the cover letter anymore. 
Yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. And, you know, one of the things I always say is if a lot of stuff in the career and job search world would end up with it depends. And I always say, think about your audience. Who's your audience? And what is your audience? What the problem are they trying to solve? And how can you show them very quickly that you can solve it? And usually that answers a lot of questions as to, should I put this? Should I put this? Should I move this up? Should I move this down? Um, But in reality, a lot of those changes while important, um, they all have to do with with your audience and and what they're looking for. And and so I love the idea that you test market that because every audience is different, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And the truth is, is we don't know what recruiters, they're just like, they're just people like you and I. So, you know, people, when we talk about, especially like with the Resume Writers Association, we talk about how we are trying to appeal to recruiters and the APS and all those types of things. You know, it really comes down in a lot of ways to a matter of opinion. And so we can do our best, but there's no one uh, steadfast. And that is the reality. If you're working with job seekers all the time to see their responses every single day, then you'll know what is working. And the truth is, is because I do this every single day, it's so many different things. Sometimes I scratch my head and say, I don't even know how that person got through. And, and things I thought for sure would get through didn't. So you just kind of wonder what is the norm? Yeah, there is none. I can, I can promise you that it's, it's completely (laughs) illogical. It's completely biased. It, it's different every time. (laughs) It's just kind (laughs) of nuts. So, so yeah, no, I, I totally believe that. And I, I, I can't really get through a whole show without using the word networking because I talk about that a lot, but I, you know, like, like everything else, networking can really help with a lot of hurdles. If you can get a testimonial, a referral, an introduction. Um, you know, people people make a lot of decisions based on trust, and trust comes from people they know and they've built a relationship with. So I always say that if you if you're struggling to kind of get a door open, try paving the way with somebody in your contact list. And if they're not in your contact list, then I think that's a great place to start focusing: is building a contact list in alignment with the goal where you want to be. So, um, and I also just to say with job searching with a disability, you know, there people tend to feel like they're being discriminated against and people will choose what area they feel like they're being discriminated against, whether it's ageism or sexism or or whatever, they're out of the workplace for a while. Um, The reality is, is I work with people to apply for jobs that they're qualified for and that they have experience and that they're a good match and to focus their efforts on those jobs. I say, you know, if you spend two hours on a cover letter and cultivating one job application, you know, go through the ATS thorough, make it good. I'd rather have you do that job application than spend two hours applying to five jobs on Indeed, quick apply that don't match. And I think that's good advice for everyone, Nancy. I think I think there's a, it's very easy these days to just hit click, upload your resume, yeah. and be done with it. And we know that about two percent of resumes that are you know or applications online actually make it to the the um, eyes of a recruiter, and that's just because it's so easy to apply. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are applying. Many who are not 
totally qualified and you get lost in that mix. So I think that is so critical advice for everyone and a great way to end the show. Nancy, one more time, where can people reach you if they'd like to find out more about you and the work you do? You can email me at nancy at regionalcareer.com or just my website, uh, www.regionalcareer.com. Yes, and if you reach out to Nancy on LinkedIn, be sure to tell her where you heard her right here on SiriusXM Channel 132. Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the show today, but even more importantly, thank you for all of the work you do to help people navigate the job search, which we've already established is illogical and... is totally biased. <laughs> exactly. Thank so, you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we loved having you here. And of course, Dana and Dion, thank you so much for making this show sound great. And all of our listeners, we are here for you live every Thursday on Dr. Dawn on Careers and SiriusXM, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, to take your job search and career questions. If you want to find out what's coming up, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham so that you can see what we have in store for for you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Series XM 132, and we will see you next time. from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.